0: I'm talking for about half an hour. I want to do two things. Um, one is to talk a little bit about life before I came to Milton Keynes, um, which I think is always important in terms of some of the projects that I've done previously which sparked my interests, as it were, um, and how those interests have manifest themselves in a context such as Milton Keynes and the, and the subsequent projects that we've managed to develop from there. Um, I, I studied art. I, I made art and the last exhibition I did um, was actually my degree show. (laughs) Something that was quite finite about that was it. And uh, I I made a decision that um, I wouldn't make any more work. Um, I was more interested at that time of um, finding places to make art that wasn't in a gallery, finding places to make art that was in a way outside of the mainstream, uh, which meant doing things like talking to uh, councillors and to local authorities and to landlords um, and I found all those negotiations and conversations absolutely uh, both challenging and riveting because it put you in a position to say why do you want to do this, um, what is the meaning of it and you know, what is the benefit to this idea of a public and I think all those conversations is something that I've continued through my practice At college I was always uh, inspired by this piece, and it's probably one of the most um, provocative exhibitions that there's ever been. Um, the declaration that during the exhibition, the gallery will be closed. Um, it's a piece by Robert Barry, a kind of very conceptual piece in 1969, um, which unfortunately kind of took place in the whole commercial world of, of art galleries. Um, but essentially, through a challenge in terms of um, what 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 do galleries provide, and if it isn't going to be the gallery. That will be the space of the exhibition. What is going to be that space? Um, I'm going to go through this first bit very, very quickly. This is the last piece that I ever made, and I very rarely show my own artwork. Um, but this was it. I was born in a town called Widness, which is in the northwest of England, and um, in the last year, this was a marketplace that was being demolished, and. Um, My grandfather was ill and I went home and I managed to get keys to the market just before it's about to be demolished and I found the the, the town's Christmas lights. And I spent four days rewiring them and um, my uncle worked for HSS Hire and I called him and said, can you bring a generator? And he brought a generator and we got the Christmas lights going for one last time. Um, And it's probably my last artwork because it was only me and my uncle who saw the piece. And I thought, bloody hell, I spent four days doing this. And it was such a magical, very private moment. Um, but in, in, the, in the kind of whole you know, folklore of the town, ought to have been opened up a little bit more. Um, so I did this piece next, which is my old school building, which is about to be demolished. Again, this is in witness. And I commissioned a whole host of artists to make work um, about the school and its fate, as you can see. Um, again, no surprise to uh, Milton Keynes, but uh, Barretts and Wimpy were fast invading um, the, the school pictures, and of course, the whole contentious political issue of selling off school land was was really at the heart of, of this project. And it became both a celebration and a lament of um, of, of a town and a place. This is an article Linda Sterling, who filled one of the classrooms with 80 tonnes of salt. Um, salt being um, it, this is kind of the context of, of ICI and the chemical industry, massive. Um, but also in relation to it being a Roman Catholic school, and lots of kind of resonances and and, and ideas there. And it's an absolutely phenomenal work. Um, One of the issues about putting work in public space is that it's subject to um, debate, let's say, and people have take their debate in different ways, whether that's through um, writing a letter to the newspaper or actually um, destroying it or or graffitiing it. And this is what the community decided to do. And it's, it's a lesson that was quite, um, that I learned an awful lot from, even though I was very much part of that community. Um, I'd, I'd really had to impose an, art, an artwork on them. And, um, I, and I was kind of struggling with that. So Angela decided that she'd take a big marker pen and write Angela on the windows. And uh, actually, oh, I haven't put it in. I, there was a, a moment when I had to call the artists and say, Linda, I'm really sorry, but the work's been, been vandalised. And she was like, oh, "Oh, don't worry, Mike. It's you know, I'll come and have a look." And she was just from Manchester, so she came and she took this end window out, the A, so it just said Angel, and kind of transformed the piece again, you know. And it's that, you know, just a lovely story of of uh, accident and incident and, and, and happenstance. Ultimately, the school was 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 demolished, but it, it was something which was, um, you know, some of the stories were were, were quite hard about the place, quite uh, telling. Um, and others, it was incredibly cathartic of what was happening, Um, and, you know, as a a town that was in in a state of of complete transformation. Um, And I suppose um, being provocative and being contentious hasn't been far away from lots of the works that I've done in public spaces. Um, This is one by an artist called Keith Wilson, um, who did actually show Milton Keynes as well. Um, And it's a piece called Puddle. Um, And there it is. Uh, and, it, and it's a piece that was originally proposed for uh, the Market Square in Preston and, um, and didn't happen. Um, now, unfortunately, the whole of, if everybody knows Preston and the Market Square, it's riddled with puddles anyway. So there became a whole kind of debate and a conversation as to actually whether the work had been made or, or, or not made. And, um, and, and Keith's proposal, this was actually made in Bourneville in the end, um, but it became you know, lots of conversations around what, what can we allow uh, artists to do, as it were. Do you do it as a complete guerrilla exercise where you just go in and do it? Um, does it mean or change anything that there has been a puddle made on purpose and that the puddle is an artwork? And they're all kind of you know, difficult and quite frustrating questions um, that, that, that I find incredibly interesting you know, and how you engage people in that process. So from you know, a school, from market hall to a stately home. Um, and still coming back to, uh, I think that earlier uh, quote around the you know the galleries closed. Um, this was a, this was um it's actually one of the first public galleries in the country. This is a place called Tabli, um that was owned by Lord Leicester, and uh, who commissioned Turners and massive kind of um, you know kind of late nineteenth century artists. But he was the first patron, if you like, to open his collection to the public. Um, and again, this is in, in the northwest. And it was kind of 200 years on. So I did a project where I worked with a whole host of artists um, to look at that notion of the tradition of the stately home and and how 200 years on do you deal with that whole legacy. And this is a piece called Matthew Thompson where it's a very kind of simple image, but it's just the individual facing the institution. And, you know, again, bloody hell, how how do I tackle it? What what, what do I do? So there's a whole host of different uh, pieces of work. This is... um, a one-off commission, um, a porcelain piece that, that Matthew did, that's taken from painting of, of Lord Leighton, um, one of the kind of Leicester um, cavalrymen, and, and turned into a statue. Richard Woods's uh, interior on the floor, which is kind of pastiche, part comic. Um, and then, the next place that I moved to was a place called Compton Verney in in Warwickshire, where I kind of took some of these ideas and, um, you know, thankfully given a. a a much nicer budget by uh, Peter Moores and the Littlewoods um, Trust and the Peter Moores Foundation. We could do much more significant projects. So this is a a wonderful article, Anya Galaccio, where again we took the inside and uh, put it on the outside. So this is motifs of the, the inside of the, the Robert Adam Hall that's been translated into um, uh, garden patterns. You know, kind of uh, mown into the grass and streamed into the grass. So you have this whole interrelationship between inside and outside between the decorative um, and, and the rural, between something that would have effectively changed or um, uh, disappeared. And again, that's another, I suppose, um, interest of mine, which, which challenges, you know, and Edna's in the room, but challenges the idea of whether art is, is permanent or, or not permanent, temporary or not temporary. And what does it mean that something is permanent after all? Um, you know, and again, uh, um, when I talk about Milton Keynes, I think that's particularly uh, a really interesting idea, you know, that uh, we may be building things um, with a notion of permanence, but we may kind of be able to quite radically undermine that or or, or change that as as we move forward. Um, An artwork that could be smoke, Simon Patterson's massive colour plumes that went off all around the amazing capability brown landscape of of Compton Verney in different colours, Um, and in relation to that he would talk about Turner's watercolours you know, as a contemporary way of how you may paint landscape, you make it completely experiential. You can absorb people in this experience of, of colour and landscape and, and, and sensibility. And to a piece by John Franklin, which was the largest boulder to ever leave Portland quarry, uh, which is placed in the grounds of Compton Verney, which is quite tremendous, actually. But it's, it was an artwork that enabled the largest boulder to ever leave Portland quarry. This is about 80 tonnes of boulder in one piece. Um, there's as much underground as there is on top. You know? So it's a phenomenal piece of work, which isn't just a boulder. It became a, a climbing boulder. It became a performance space. Um, yet it looked like it had been there forever. So again, this idea of permanence, of it had been there forever, actually, it, it, it was counterfeit. It was, it, was, it was fake, in a way. So I, I kind of come to, uh, I suppose, the work I do. And in a way, given the nature of, of what I've just shown you there, you may think, Oh my god, how the hell has he got to run a gallery? <laughs> because lots of the work takes place outside of, of the gallery. And I think when I was first uh, appointed as a gallery curator at ICON, um, which is a gallery up in, in Birmingham, I was as surprised as anybody. Um, because the, the, the nature of a gallery program can seem to be radically different, that it's, you change it every six or seven weeks. So it's more about objects, it's more about um, inviting, it's more about a transaction whereby people willfully make a decision to step over that threshold and engage with the work, whereas some of the projects I was doing was a sense of either um, orchestrating uh, encounters, if you like, between a a public and an artwork, uh, enabling an artist's wish in a public space, um, or or doing something that was very slightly different. So Throughout, I think a lot of my um, tenure here in Milton Keynes, and I think moving forward, will be how do you change, or, or how does the art gallery become uh, that public artwork in, in itself—that we, we we don't see the, the boundaries or the divide of the institution as separating um, the inside from the outside, the public or the private—but um, there's a ways in which we can bring those those together. And again, one of the you know I think one of the most telling statements over uh, the latter half of of, of this century is um, the Artist Placement Group and John Latham, who talks very much about the context as being half of the work and the situation where you make the work adds as much to its meaning as, as the object that you actually put inside it, as such. Um, so whenever I do a talk on Milton Keynes, and, and this has been, I was in Brussels the other day, uh, in Beijing, wh- wh- wherever, I always start with these three wonderful <laughs> images of, of, of the city. Um, and they are quite incredible. I, I'm always getting so uh, excited and enthused about um, when you see just these series of images. You know the original kind of um, mass uh, earth movements that, that took place, which may have so many resonances um, with that whole idea of land art. Anyway, you know that happened on a huge scale uh, in, in in the states. Um, to Jacobi's drawing and and vision um, of of the city, to to the reality, which isn't contemporary reality, but uh, as, uh, as as near to it. And I, and I think that whole idea of um, you know, huge ambition, near arrogance, to put this place on the map um, with the reality of what's been achieved here is, is incredibly phenomenal. Um, and it's something, um, that spirit of, if you like, designing without the burden of history, which um, you know, many of the original architect- architects, David Locke and, and what have you, would, would talk about, um, through to the reality of now whereby um, Milton Keynes Gallery is only seven years old. Um, the city is only 40 years old. Um, And it's not just about the level of success, but that um, moving forward to the future, the potential to rework different models of how art can engage with a place like this uh, is incredibly fascinating and and, and liberating. Um, So you may remember this, or you may not. (laughs) This is the gallery a few years ago. And uh, and this is one of the first projects we did here. which is instrumental for me in terms of, I mean, I, I often quite flippantly say, "Oh, we just gave it a coat of paint. Um, and, and it's obviously so much more than just giving it a, a coat of paint, by, by literally turning the outside skin of, of the gallery effectively into a, a piece of public art. Um, it becomes a piece of public art that sits uh, in, in the context of, of the city. And, um, and Michael kind of really pointed to that with his title, that it was, was surfacing. Um, but as a gesture, I think, over the last three three or four years, it's done so much in terms of our profile. And I think also just the nature of that area of, 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 um, of the city. It kind of helped to, I think, infect. And when we'd finished this project, and it was a glorious sunny day, um, and it's reflecting off the, both off the pavement and in the the, the facades of the theatre, um, it, it completely infected the whole city. And it kind of almost went back to you know, those Simon Patterson smoke clouds. It was something that you almost walked into. Um, which was in, incredibly uh, appealing. But again, it was a piece that was about taking out elements of the inside and, and putting them on, on the outside. And we continued that um, with, with a number of works, uh, Keith Wilson's, which some of you may remember this here, um, which again caused a few kind of debates, or for or against, or, or what have you. Um, uh, and, uh, Keith is an artist who is very much interested in those st- structures, um, municipal structures, if you like, um, that, that we encounter on in our, in our day-to-day, and, and playing with those and tinkering with those. Um, and these kind of cattle pens became part of a, a language, both inside of the gallery and, and outside here on, on the campus. Um, I'm, I'm keen through some of our projects that uh, we, we tried to... Uh, there's kind of like a, a hierarchy, or a perceived hierarchy, if you like, in, in gallery practice, I, I would say whereby, um, you know, it's the notion of the individual artist with a solo exhibition as the pinnacle. And then it may come down to like a, you know, an off-site commission or a public artwork. And then it may be like an education project or a community project. And you kind of almost have these levels of how the industry perceives it in terms of meaning or, or, or importance. And lots of the work that we're trying to do is to completely dismantle, um, if you like, the the platforms or the areas by which we engage artists. So why can't we invite, um, I don't know, you know, a leading artist, Julian Opie or whatever, to do a piece of work in a classroom in a school um, that has as much relevance and meaning, and of course it does, to having a solo exhibition. Um, So ways in which we can just break down all these different areas and and divides um, and really just become an engine whereby art is placed in many, many different contexts. The gallery is just one. It's just one of them. Um, so, this is a piece that we did with uh, the scouts and, and an artist, where we again temporarily transformed the square and then the back wall with this piece of work. And they come and go, you know, they're, they're temporary, so they come and go, but their impact is, is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Um, and so, speaking of that whole idea of, of temporality or um, ephemerality. We, we, we work on a whole different range of uh, projects. This is a, a piece by a Swedish artist, again bringing international artists into, into the city uh, to make work, called You Don't Love Me Yet, uh, which uses music and, and local bands um, as, its, as its platform to, to make work. And it's a very, very simple structure. But every band who plays, plays the same song. This is kind of like Swedish song. We had, I think, it was like ten bands all playing the same song in their own different styles, uh, in in Middleton Hall, um, and it's just it's actually just riveting in a way. And I think one of the conversations which um, is particularly pertinent or present in a lot of how uh, institutions like ourselves engage with uh, the public sector in, in this way or the public uh, realm is. How, how do you measure it? How do you begin to evaluate uh, its success, its, its impact, what it does? Um, and if I knew I wouldn't be here, I'd be incredibly rich and doing lots of consultancy with lots of many different institutions. Um, because, I don't know, and you could say, you know, we can look at economic impact and we could probably quite readily account people who come up from London and what they may spend and what what that may contribute to the local economy, which is one way, incredibly hard. An organisation like ours could never do that. We don't have enough resources. Um, or we could look at this thing which is called social capital. You know, there's, there's networks that you make and you create, which, had this not have happened, wouldn't have been created. And, and, we, and that may be, I think, in a way, for me, that's something which I prefer to do. You know, to look at those networks which, whereby the art becomes the catalyst to make something happen, which otherwise wouldn't have done. Um, And I don't know what the end result of that is, um, but what I do know, or what I feel from a gut, is that the more networks that are within the city, the more conversations that are taking place, uh, the healthier that city is. And I think art has a a strong role to make that happen. So lots of the projects that I'll I'll show you have that kind of uh, sense of, um, I suppose, community building, and I don't want to be all Balearite on that at all, I'm not, but just bringing certain communities together in, in a different way. Um, so this is Confident Cross. And again, this is a project which was for a very specific community, um, which probably none of you really engaged with. Um, it was at the, the time of the, the summer solstice this year, again, marking the 40th anniversary of the city. Um, And it's a piece that took place at 4.38 in the morning, because I was there, um, and marking the the Druid celebration at the Stone Circle in Milton Keynes. And Matthew and David, the artist, did a wonderful project whereby um, we commissioned a a helicopter with a massive searchlight that did this almost like spiral jetty, um, kind of just landed direct on on the Stone Circle with its uh, searchlight just Flooding the whole space in light, uh, and it was, at the, it was at the time of the sunrise, so you basically had this situation whereby um, you know, natural light was taken over artificial, light. and that was the kind of narrative throughout um, and in a way it was the prompt for a, for a film um, so the piece from this is both the event and and the film, um, but we worked you know very, very closely with um, the the community and uh, it was such a wonderful, just, such a wonderful magical event um, and we're hoping to show this film on the winter solstice in, in December. You know, so it's just a way of, of bringing and revealing the narratives of a place that, that, that we can do through art. Um, and again, the idea of contributing to um, myth or folklore or uh, an identity through certain stories. Um, is, is what we do uh, on many different levels. This was a piece which probably many of you do remember, and certainly one person does remember because she uh, participated in it. But this is Haley Newman's MKVH, um, where the, you know, the very simple proposition for the work was to drive an intercontinental coach around the grid square until it ran out of petrol, or diesel in this case, um, which. In a way is very provocative I suppose i hadn 't quite um, realized the you know, the whole environmental nature and I think that was the biggest concern in terms of this, same, this idea of, of wastage, if you like, um, but before the project, we advertised you know, readily for volunteers to become part of this project um, and I think we had about ten or twelve volunteers in the end who, who came on the coach that created this own kind of community and um, there's a publication that that is coming out, and um, and it's absolutely it's absolutely incredible actually. Um, just the conversations that took place, and of course you know it's Big Brother. It's putting people in some kind of experiment um, to see see what happens. Formally, it's, it's this public artwork that travels around the city that's durational and, and stops at a certain place and that is unpredicted. It's it's an experiment. Um, but it has it had a real kind of like human warmth to it as well, which is very difficult to uh, describe, and you may want to contest that in in, in time. Um, but it also, I think, you know, when this project started out, uh, I think it was May the 30th on Thursday evening, and and we'd had that kind of outcry of um, it, it's a waste, and and you know, what's it all about, and and what have you. Um, but come April the 1st, which um, wonderful curating, that was when it was going to stop, um, it, uh, it completely changed. And those last hours where it was almost coming, uh, and this is where it became, because it's almost as like if the coach became, you were waiting for this elephant to die. You know, It was quite incredible, actually, uh, where its final resting place would be. Um, there was constant communication with the radio stations. You know, where are you now, Mark? Where are you? Can we see? Oh yeah, I can see. You know, And, and it suddenly became something which, um, I don't know, people bought into it in, in the end or, or in, in, in a kind of uh, un- unpredictable way. Um, so we travel a lot with our projects, and this is again a very simple one. An article Stephen Wilkes, who uh, lent us his donkey. And it's a donkey that's been all around the world you know, uh, China, Australia, wherever, and he's come to Milton Keynes. Um, and we, this is him in China, <laughs> but, but we thought uh, we should take him to, um, this was him in Finland, he's going to come to Milton Keynes, but we thought we'd give him a tour to um, probably somewhere that he might quite like, which which isn't, you know, uh, obviously dealing with the issue of what is public sculpture, you know, what, can you affect as much meaning as a, a almost like a dumb, docile donkey that uh, you can have this really, I don't know, loving relationship with? Or, or this thing by Anthony Gormley. Um, so the donkey travelled through lots of different schools, all, all networks of friends and friends and friends and friends, just creating these um, uh, links together. So the idea, the idea of, of duration is um, again, it's something that you, you can't do particularly well in a gallery space when you have a certain programme so this piece of work by Alec Finlay where we made two fields of wheat in, in Campbell Park one with uh, a kind of organic wheat and one with a hybrid um, wasn't quite GM but was you know not particularly nice wheat um, was a project which evoked you know, certain ideas in terms of land art um, but again was about bringing a certain community uh, together to to experience the project and to and um, grow the wheat. It was a project whereby we worked with um, the the museum in Bulberton and Milton Keynes. Um, they brought in certain expertise. We worked with Garden Organic um, from, from across the area and um, oh, I haven't put the last images in, but it eventually ended up by um, harvesting the wheat, uh, making flour at uh, a wonderful water mill down in um, Bedfordshire and um, and then eating bread back at the museum in in Wolverton, you know. so it became a whole kind of cyclical um, process, and um, and you could say, well, where is where is where is the art in that? And I think the answer is it, it's everywhere in it. You know, it's 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 at every different point in that process. Certain decisions have been made in terms of. Um, you know, the, the idea of making a successful project that has some kind of integrity of bringing people together uh, and seeing how you can do it to, to, to your best effect, as it were. As well as just, a, 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 I know I myself didn't put the image in, but the, the field that we put the organic wheat in, um, we got shire horses in to plough the fields. So an incredible image of shire horses back in Campbell Park, you know, with the backdrop of this modern city behind it. Um, was in a way, you know, a, again, a great image that was engineered through, through an artist project. And then just very quickly, um, going back to the idea of inside and out, to the institution or the not, not the institution, mm-hmm. uh, the final project which I'll uh, talk about is a is, uh, German artist, Wolfgang Weileder, um whereby over a period of a month we rebuilt the gallery. On a, on a one-to-one scale in, in Station Square, and this was done um, elevation by elevation. So all the bricks were used um, on one side, and then were taken down, used on the other side, taken down, used on the other side. So you never actually saw the building in its entirety at all. You know, it was it was, it was constantly uh, a building program, and um, but again, this was. Um, massive network, whether it's you know, English partnerships, a local authority, Milton Keynes College um, uh, apprenticeship school and builders, local um, builders we've given their uh, apprentices for the, t- to learn about the project. The actual blocks that were being used are hardly used in this country because it's, it's, kind of, you know, it's, it's Scandinavian technology that we're kind of slightly scared of. Um, so as a training exercise, it was it was incredible you know, that we were given real hands-on experience of, of a, a technology which will probably be here in three or four years' time. Um, again, even with the scaffold system, it was kind of the le- leading edge in, in that respect. Um, so we had, you know, there's, there's lots of kind of uh, conversations that took place around that, just the, the making of the project in itself. Um, and again, coming back to what actually resulted um, as so many of our projects do is either photography or film or some kind of documentation which um, embraces the spirit of the work. So throughout this process even though the, the building isn't built uh, as a structure in itself it's recorded through pinhole photography. So these capture um, everything that took place over a four-week period so they exist as almost like a, a, a ghost of a building you know, they, they document something that was built but over time and place and not all, all together. So they've come these quite incredible uh, series of, of images about a, a ghostly building. Um, and again, I mean, these tie in with lots of, I think, pertinent conversations and, and questions about, um, about architecture, about this is the gateway to the city. Um, would we want a cultural building to be the first thing that you encountered? Obviously, we would. I would. Um, but it sets certain kind of uh, signals up, um, and that notion of transience as well. And I, I know, I came back to um, the fact of, of, of where we are with Milton Keynes Gallery. It was actually built for 1.6 million pounds, which, in a way, is absolute pennies. Um, and not that I would ever want it to be disposable. Um, but I think there's something potentially radical that um, you know with budgets like that we can create uh, certain structures that don't necessarily have to be uh, temporary but that can tie in with lots of conversations at different points in time. That can change and um, look at different models of working. As well as working off-site, there's a way in which we can bring work back into the gallery. So these are you know, films that we've made off-site. Um, this was actually up in, in Northamptonshire, uh, a film with an Albanian artist Adrian Paci. Uh, And that film comes back into the gallery then. So ways in which um, an artist called Stephen Willits is a publication at the back who'd been working in Netherfield for 18 months or so. Um, And again, I mean, Stephen is is probably one of the the leading British conceptual artists in post-war, as it were. Incredibly uh, inspirational for a whole host of of, of artists working today. Um, But he had 18 months, two years in, in Netherfield, creating a new body of work, which was then shown Back into the gallery, and just the the last piece that you'll be all familiar with, hopefully, uh, is is the MK40 Tower, which, um, again, built to celebrate the the 40th anniversary of, of the city. Working with architects rather than artists as as such, um, but yes, yeah, sig- signalling I think both to the city of, of of wanting to embrace an architecture which is which is new. I mean this and, and leading edge. I mean I talked to the structural engineers on this and. Nothing really been built like this in, in the UK yet. Um, purely from a, a kind of business point of view, um, f- construction-wise, uh, it's using timber technology that uh, it's still at its infancy uh, in this country. It's not on the continent, but on the country to go this high with a tower is incredibly uh, innovative. Um, but again, I mean, the whole project was about sixty thousand pounds. I mean, she may think it's a lot of money, but it's not. I mean, it, it's a wonderful uh, pavilion, and um, that its intention is to travel uh, across the city. And um, and I think just to say that you know, we, we can be uh, radical, creative, we can have fun with this kind of work, um, and we can completely change the dynamic and, and the energy behind a city. And that's kind of, I think, really at like the whole um, thrust, if you like, of, of some of the work that, that we do at the gallery. So I haven't really talked about one exhibition at all. Um, but I thought it was. given the nature and this opportunity to speak, um, particularly just to look at how uh, the gallery interfaces with with its public, which is you and which is Milton Keynes. Um, And we're doing that in a whole host of very different ways, by projects that may take two years that involve just three or four people, uh, or projects like in Station Square, which have a community to build them, um, and may engage, I don't know, upwards of 100,000, 200,000 people who actually see it. Um, And and they're all the kind of conversations and and, and debates that, that we're having. Thank you. I'll stop there. We've got on burning which has its own very expensive external space and how you've actually used other external spaces in London Heat. Do you think it's a benefit or drawback to the gallery that it doesn't have much dedicated outside space? Um, I think it does, it has the city. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Do so, you see that as its um, benefit? Absolutely. And I think um, I mean one of the wonderful if you like, the, the freedoms here is is well, a that effectively our, our landowners—the very few people who we need to talk to—that's <laughs> oh, English partnerships or local authority. Know that we're not—we don't have the limitations of other cities where you may have to engage five, ten partners uh, before you can actually get to the right person, as it were, to to occupy a piece of land. Um, but that I think, and I think we want to operate in lots of different ways, so that there will be projects whereby you could perceive them as um, very traditional public art projects. and I think there is, there is a difference, and you know, many of you will be familiar with the, the new public art strategy which, which is coming out and being developed, um, but the notion of a, a very kind of conventional uh, public art process, which is large, purely done by consultation, if you like, and, and, and buy-in. Um, and there are projects that, you know, we, we do like that, whether it's through Stephen Willett in Netherfield or, or pieces of work like that. But then I think there's there's, there's almost like more of a, a leadership onus on a place like the gallery, that um, you could just inject something into, in, into the city um, and and see what mirror that offers to the place. Um, and that can go away again as well. I, mean, I, think, I think the notion of uh, the temporary work that we do and the permanent work that we haven't done yet yeah. is something that I do really want to embrace. I think it still is one of the um, the big challenges, if you like, you know, how, how we begin to grow a whole body of, of, of potentially public work, and um, permanent work, from, yeah. from what we do as well. Yeah, um, there are the permanent works which were placed around Keynes during the 30 years, so Absolutely, I think it's quite interesting, yeah. I think now, to see more... And I think that, I mean, that, that history and legacy is so, so important, mm. you know, because it is a, it's a kind of, it's, it, it's a bedrock by which we can, um, you know, you can work against it, you can embrace it, but it's, it's there. And, you know, when you do talk or you talk to other um, cities... I was at a conference in Belgium at the weekend in, in Hasselt where they're looking at, you know, uh, it's like a £40 million programme for public art, it's huge. Mm. Um, and I, I was asking them, well, how many pieces do they have existing? And they said something like 30 or something like that. You know, and then when you talk about the nature of um, the permanent pieces that we have here already and mm. that... It's the same with some of our temporary works. Some of them you like, some of them you don't like. You know, it's, it's, it's fine, but, but we have it. And that's such a wonderful foundation to build on. I think transience is a, is a good feature of public art. I mean, the, 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 the concrete cars in Nelson Keynes have, have been both a good and a bad um, influence on the city. But the, the transience, for example, of the Keith Wilson sculpture that came here, the Outrated it, uh, created a wonderful outrage from many members of staff and from our estates people who said you can't have people coming off the street onto the campus and looking mm-hmm. at things and yet forgot that we have a library which is open to the public where <laughs> people can come off the street mm-hmm. and borrow books I think, you know, and we've overcome those things and the gallery's been um, a tremendous influence on the university and, and I hope we'll go on to work together The way I came um, to look at the work of the artist was um, as someone who ought to have the capacity to transform the world as we see it, and it sounds as though you're talking about a curator that's having that role, that capacity as well. Um, no, I, I think I think that's really well, very, very complicated. Obviously, I think that role between the curator and the artist? Um, yes, in a way, but I suppose I see myself as more of a kind of the mediator or, or, or the facilitator between a place, you know, a place and imagination, and, uh, and enabling that imagination to take fruit, if you like, or, or, or to work in a certain kind of context. Um, um, yeah, I, mean, I suppose how we work is, you know, when we invite an artist to Milton Keynes to a city, it's it's very much um, that notion of that this is a, a canvas to to work with. Um, so, for instance, we very rarely provide a brief for an artist. You know, it's, it's not. So, in terms of um, that, I suppose that curatorial control, um, it's quite um, it's quite slight in a way. It's just it's just more about shaping a context or a framework within which which to work. Um, now, now of course, those projects accumulate over time and create certain patterns and certain resonances um, and lead to influence the kind of artists who you'd want to work with in the future, in a way. So I think there is a... Obviously, there's a curatorial narrative that runs through that. Um, but I also see that in the exhibitions that, that we do, you know, because we largely work with solo artists in our exhibitions programme. Um, and that's because I think over over time and space, you you build a, a narrative or a story that people can take certain uh, associations or, or resonances with. You know, so we have a wonderful young painter in at the moment who, for those who are familiar, come to the gallery make make certain associations with an artist last year, Philip Allen, and that's been documented in a publication, and, and then Elizabeth McGill the year before. So there's you know particularly the the theme of of architecture and the built environment is. Is not just through the, the public work we do in the city, but through artists like um, Langlands and Bell, and a Portuguese artist called Carlos Bunga. A kind of threads of our program that we, you know, work through the commissioning of film, for instance. Um, so, even though, you know, it's, it's, it's a tricky one in terms of safeguarding the autonomy, if you like, of, of an artist's imagination um, and creating a, a structure within which they can, um, you know, best make things happen. Um, but I don't think, you know, I'm not somebody who, who thinks that the artist is, is a kind you know, this, this, this genius or individual who operates outside of society. I think our whole mission is that they have to be at the very core and they have to influence from within. You know, they, they do have to move up against planning and, and all these kind of issues um, because that's, that's essentially what, what, what we're about. One thing you talked about a few times, like, Public art as encouraging conversations and, and That brought me back to the Keith Wilson stuff that was just mentioned on the canvas here. Because I had um, a couple of people about that, responding very negatively to it. But the thing I realised, and I think they realised after the conversation, was actually what he was doing was making them look at their environment around them in a way they hadn't done, and look at it more closely before. But I found the difficulty then when that conversation was moving on from the negative and saying, well, okay, that started off a conversation where they've reacted negatively to something in their env- environment, but it's made them look at that particular bit of their environment in the way they haven't before. Mm-hmm. How do you then turn that into something positive that doesn't just stop when that piece goes away and they say, oh great, it's gone now, we're happy again. Yeah. How do you actually turn it into something where you keep them involved and keep them contributing positively from yeah. that sort of negative starting point? Yeah, I, mean, I think that's, that's largely our, our biggest challenge. Because um, At the moment it feels like we're doing... We've done lots of projects and lots of different kind of situations. I mean, and it's, it's similar in a way with our, our work on Netherfield at the moment. Is um, what's the next project to keep the conversation alive? Because that's the whole, um, the biggest difference, if you like, in terms of working in public space as opposed to to the gallery. That there has to be, um, I don't know, some some kind of sense of aftercare. You know, and I think from that Keith Wilson project. Um, I was our, our relationship with the Open University has, has grown on lots of different fronts, which may not be um, those people having those conversations, but institutionally and organisationally, there's been lots of crossovers there and relationships that have been highly productive, I think. Um, but, but it's kind of like how, how do you, what, what roles, if you like, can you just keep those conversations with the same people so that um, it's not, in a way, the equivalent to, to some accusations about permanent and public artwork. Um, that it's jock sculpture, you know, that it's put in and then responsibility's gone and it's fine, whatever. You know, and there are patterns like that in terms of the temporary work that um, people can do, you know, that it's it, 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 it shot in for like eight, twelve months, you know, and then it's gone. And uh, and how do you pick the pieces up, up, up again? So, I mean, we're quite, you know, with this piece that you can see here with uh, Pascal Martin Tayou, which is a bit of a plug, that's coming up um, at the end of, of, of the year. Um, this is an installation that he does with these incredible you know just masses and masses of thousands and tens of thousands of, of plastic bags um, and we're doing this at, at the stadium in the car park of the football stadium um, but it's a piece whereby you can probably see the fly you know we're inviting uh, local school children to contribute the bags. so we've done lots of um, assembly talks in, in all the schools in Bletchley um, so there's, there's that kind of initial groundwork of, of buy in if you like um, of, of, of getting people involved of kind of giving them the a sense of an ownership of the project um, that they'll then go and see the work and they'll come to the gallery then we'll do uh, kind of workshops with them afterwards so it's not just seen as uh, you know one thing in itself but is some kind of process of easing in and, and, and easing out. Um, but again you know for an organisation our size that's quite hard to do but we endeavour. I don't think anybody ever does it right you know. But I think that's the same whether it's you know social care or health or whatever. You know, you don't necessarily do it right, um, but the the intentions are there. Thank you.